Welcome, alien overlords, to your Secret Invasion podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is the reptiloid who has assumed the visage of Pete. Hello, Pete. Shall we do this the easy way or the other way? The Secret Invasion podcast by Fantastic Geek for Secret Invasion Episode 2, Promises, is brought to you by Brioni, the best the taxpayers deserve. Pete, just in the last 12 or 14 hours as we record this, uh, the Actors Union, that's your SAG-AFTRA, uh, they have agreed to a 12-day extension with the uh, with the producers as, uh, you know, as the new actor's contract is negotiated. So don't know if that's glass half full or glass half empty, but it is a continuation of current work for the next two weeks holds out a little bit of hope that fighting a strike on two fronts the director's guild has uh re-upped a deal so uh the screenwriters guild and the actors guild could be very difficult for hollywood so let's hope this gets done that the writers somehow get a deal done soon and um, we don't run into uh, further stoppage already, Matt. A lot of concern about things for the fall and after Marvel's schedule has been rearranged, and I will imagine will continue to be rearranged. But in the meantime, we went to the movies. We did, Pete, a movie that was written by writers and acted by actors, let me point out. Uh, We saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and looking forward to podcasting that on Tuesday, July 4th. Uh, Can't wait to hear people's feedback from it as they see it this uh, extended holiday weekend in these United States. Uh, Spoiler alert, we had a very good time. So make sure you let us know what you thought of that. We'll be recording that early on Tuesday, July 4th. What better day to talk about a guy who's still punching Nazis? But Matt, tomorrow is Star Trek Sunday, and we'll be talking about Strange New Worlds, episode 203. Yeah, really looking forward to discussing uh, an episode that simultaneously is familiar Star Trek territory uh, as well as new Star Trek territory. And Pete left me with some emotions that I don't normally have at the end of a Star Trek episode. So very much looking forward to that discussion. Let's evaluate the Intel, Matt, previously in 1995 on Captain Marvel. I appreciated this recap, as I'm sure you remember, Pete, on last week's podcast, I was a little critical of the overall construction of, let's say, the the the, the story trajectory, i.e., you've just seen Captain Marvel, now watch Secret Invasion. Like, I know that's what Disney Plus will say. Maybe it already says it now when you get done with Captain Marvel. Um, but the recap here was appreciated. Uh, reminder of Soren's presence there in, in that film. Uh, young Gaia. The overall situation here regarding um, uh, what I would argue is a somewhat daring return to, you know, Captain Marvel as a film takes us back to the 1990s for some flashback story, so on and so forth, origin, etc. 
I was not particularly thinking that we would spend a lot of time worried about the the time between that film and the current time in the MCU. Um, just because it's like, oh, and then Carol Danvers, dot, dot, dot. Now let's go see, um, you know, the conclusion of the Thanos arc and all of that. So the fact that we are returning here in flashback, heading to the Marvel Studios logo, the abbreviated version, uh, and then still in now new flashback, if you will, in 1997, it's all appreciated. Brixton, London, where Vara has brought uh, a young man, turns out to be a young Gravik, to meet Fury, but Gravik is standoffish. Uh, I just want to point out, Pete, Vara's makeup seems perhaps a, a tad off. Maybe it's too big a head for such a petite woman. Uh, I understand this makeup is done, you know, breakneck speed, somewhat TV schedule and all that, but uh, that did kind of catch my eye. Scrolls gather in this safe house where Vara brings a young male to Nick Fury. She'd like him to meet Gravik. Fury tries to embrace him, but he steps back. Vera takes Fury aside to explain his parents were killed in the last great stand against the Kree, and he escaped from behind enemy lines, piloting a ship on his own. A smart survivor they could use. Fury points out he's a child, but only to human eyes. She just wants him to talk to him. Fury expresses condolence for Gravik's folks, who he says died a brilliant death. Fury explains the work there is very dangerous, but Gravik isn't afraid. Fury says he can see he's not and embraces him. In his human form, Talos thanks them for joining him after a rough journey, looking for a home and finding nothing but violence and hate. Close up on a ring, on Vera's finger, on Gravik's shoulder, that on rewatch becomes all too apparent. They all lost someone or everyone, and their entire species is scattered across the galaxy but those who braved the journey to Earth did for one reason. Fury. Who Talos trusts. Fury tells them he believes humans and Skrulls can help each other. The world is facing a serious threat and he can use their help, which would mean putting on a new face and keeping it. That's the promise. One of the titular promises. While they help him keep his world safe, Carol Danvers and he will find them a new one. He asks who will take the pledge. Soren is the first to shift into human form and step forward and Fury tells Gaia she has a courageous mother as Gravik looks on Nearly all the other scrolls shapeshift and come forward as Fury tells him if they keep their word, he'll keep his. Matt, take us to present day 2026, Moscow. Thank you for that reminder that we are still in the future in the MCU. A graphic in his human form looks on at the disaster his bombing has caused here. Maria Hill's life finally fades. 
uh, earning Kobe Smolders another guest star credit right at the end of this episode. Uh, Gravik and Gaia walk away, sharing a moment of confident looks. Uh, we see Fury nominally arrested. More on that before the scene is over. As is the American turned scroll. Pete, who is that again? He used to wear a yellow hat that made life so much easier. Who's this uh, American against Russia now scroll now taking the American's form? Uh, that is Brogan. Who Brogan. Is maintaining he's an American. Get it? He's a bro American. He's got the little hat. Uh, Brogan into one van, Fury into another, you know, one of these kind of arrest type, you know, black site vans. Uh, however, we see that the driver of Fury's van is Talos. Uh, cut to the credits, which Pete, you have inspired me, despite the rousing score of the credits. I mash that, uh, skip credits button in order to have solidarity I with just, I, I can't watch it. Yeah, I can't. Uh, on a train, compartments are being checked by uh, Pete, what appears to be authentic Russian military. I know in our world, lately, there's been some issue with those like Russian military people for hire. They're working on that out over there in Russia. Uh, but these apparent real Russian military people uh, say that they are looking for a black American. There's none here, says the lovely blonde Russian who's kind of at the door, kind of not letting them into the compartment. Uh, with the military folks gone, she is actually Talos, uh, who tells Fury, who's hiding out in, in, in the next area of the compartment, uh, that they are gone, uh, and thus revealed Pete, Talos, and Fury. Uh, ready for, for a good sit-down scene where they're both going to chew through some dialogue here. A black American actually on the Moscow to Warsaw train, despite the uh, greater likelihood to encounter aliens. But in this room at Matt, I uh, was kind of surprised we didn't get a, hey, let's check the box of grief by Nick Fury at losing his right hand and Gal Friday, essentially his other eye. But no, we're going to go down memory train here about when... Nick Fury was a child and used to ride the train. It's certainly an evocative uh, scene here, an evocative, uh, well, dialogue scene. Uh, this notion of these long train trips from Alabama to Detroit. They couldn't go in the dining car, young Fury and mother. Uh, they brought food to eat on the train. Uh, that fried chicken, the first thing eaten uh again just a very if if one would like to uh, pessimistically say that particular portion of the dialogue did not advance the plot uh it's it's samuel L. jackson sharing some truth i don't know whether it's his personal truth or the truth of others but you know a very evocative moment here but it leads us to the notion that nick and mom would play uh the game tell me something i don't know uh and young nick of course was not going to spill the beans about playing doctor with Susie outside. Uh, did you catch it, Pete? Who's, who's barn? Old man Jackson's barn. Um, Old man Jackson. Uh, says the Samuel L. Jackson character. Uh, but anyhow, he's not going to spill the beans, so he lies to mom, which, of course, told mom all she needed to know. So, Pete, why don't Fury and Talos play a few rounds of Tell Me Something I Don't Know? And big ups 
here to the writing that the flourish is all right, my friend Nick Fury, you have just suffered this loss that we're not talking about. Sure, I'll play this game that presumably is going to take your mind off this. So the first question that Fury asks is that um, Talos tell him something he doesn't know about the destruction of Skrullos. Talos says he knows everything there is to know about it, but that's not the name of the game. So uh, what Talos offers is that they were overpowered by the Kree. They held them off as long as they could. And when they couldn't hold them off any longer, the million that were left fled. Fury follows that up, asking him to tell him something he doesn't know about the scrolls that fled. There on Earth. All million? Yep. Talos sent out the call, and every Skrull who isn't in Emperor Drogue's colony answered. And Fury is furious because Talos lied to him. But Talos explains they were being hunted, and Fury had been snapped away, and when he did come back, there was no talking to him about it, and he retreated to Saber for years. But Fury says Talos knew how to get in touch with him and didn't because he didn't want him to know. I must commend Ben Mendelssohn's moment here where he has Talos uh, in kind of invoking, you know, like Fury has left and he can't he can't stay here, man. It's all too crazy. And how Mendelssohn veers into a respectful Samuel L. Jackson slash Nick Fury impression. It's not too much. It's not too little. It's enough where um, a the Samuel L. Jackson nature of what Talos is saying shines through. Uh, also, I think it's speaking to the the familiarity between the two characters and I would suspect the two actors um ben mendelson is certainly playing second fiddle in this scene um but that's not getting in the way of him just doing a fantastic job and really just hammering home the characterization even in the dialogue that really is exposition of like and you got back and then you said i couldn't stay here and back up to the station you went like it's 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 just top-notch performance here it is all of this heading to the point that Talos still hopes for these million scrolls to coexist with humanity, but Fury points out that humans can't even coexist with one another. And Fury kicks Talos out at the train stop, and he assumes the form of the woman again and leaves. Back we go to old London town, Maria Hills remains headed home on an American jet with mom watching. Pete, she's a real middle America mom. You know, all, what, Nick Fury, me daughter is all dead, isn't it? Uh, which is to say, Pete, she's a very accomplished British actress who I don't think is maybe from, uh, I don't know, where do people of Maria Hills' dedication come from? You know, like corn-fed Iowa or you know, like the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. Instead, it's kind of more like, don't tell me my daughter's dead. Uh, her, her American accent isn't as bad as my British accent is, 
But Pete, it's not a great American accent, is what I would like to say. I gotta be honest, I didn't really pick up. Go on... back and watch it again. Hey, who wants some kippers, <laughs> Gov? I can't believe she's dead. Oh, the king, the king. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to check that out. I I was more so in on the emotional wavelength projected here uh, as this casket is unloaded by military officials and mom Elizabeth receives it and it's loaded onto a U.S. military plane. Fury meeting with her and she asks if he was there and how it happened. She's angry about the platitudes after not even being told where on the planet her daughter was killed. Fury tells her Maria died in Moscow, trying to stop the attack, but fell into a trap that was set for him. He apologizes for not being able to protect her. Elizabeth says Maria believed in him and would have followed him to the gates of hell, and she implores him that she did not die for nothing. We then get a very, very uh, helpful montage of expositional news coverage talking about the bombing. We also get, uh, full compliment here, kind of a pre-cap, if you will, uh, of part of this news coverage. The UK Prime Minister, the Secretary General of NATO, uh, as well as some commentary here from an FXN news commentator, who I, in my notes, Pete, call Mr. Commentator, fxn news where could they possibly get this from fxn news i have no idea what is inspiring mr commentator from fxn news none whatsoever uh we cut to gravik and gaia reflecting on the bombing as they drive pete i don't mean to be holding this episode up to two uh strict a light here you know particularly in line of the whole accent thing two scenes ago but just want to point out it's kind of funny how there's green splash hitting both of them given that they're um driving in a car wink wink pete i guess even for a simple scene like this where all you need is footage of driving you know background footage of you know for the car driving i guess this too is still not yet an led wall like we've had for the mandalorian for several years at this point instead it's just good old green screen and our good old frenemy to marvel green splash coming in uh it's there if you look for it if you didn't see it then you haven't watched as many special effects videos as i have therefore ruining things and taking you out of the scenes uh but pete the takeaway from this scene emotionally is a graphic wants to check in with them Yes, the council here where they are headed, the subtext that he could, of course, killed Fury, but the Secret Invasion show would have ended. Uh, so hence, you know, we're, we're just going to find out he's got nothing left and we're on the bigger, badder things here with the council that they arrive at and Gravik goes past a guard. Gaia wants to go as well, but is held back. And Gravik gives up his gun and says, if he's not out in an hour, that Gaia shoot the guard as he heads behind the closed doors. Where our council includes Christopher McDonald's character, not named in this episode, but I will refer to henceforth as Shooter McRedtie, along with the NATO Secretary General. <gasps> 
the UK Prime Minister, <gasps> and Shirley. It's nice to see Shirley. There's also a couple other. It is always good to see Shirley and her lilting convent school accent. I like Shirley. Uh, I, I do too. I think Shirley is a real, a real uh, has a, has a good heart here. A couple other people around the table, not even given you know lines or well lines. Uh, Gravik sees them all as acting human, you know, enjoying the man's food, enjoying the man's wine and all of that. Uh, Gravik recounts the evils of humanity, lies, pimping, poisoning, destroying the habitat and such. He is told by the council that he is naive. Uh, the council reflects on these terror attacks. Such attacks are undoing the stability that the council has worked so hard to achieve. Uh, and with this latest attack, Gravik has killed 2,000 civilians, contrary to their orders. Uh, it's noted by Gravik that Fury did not keep his promises uh, and that the scrolls have been abandoned and cast aside. The goal is for Earth to be the new home for the scrolls. Gravik will make it happen. Uh, it's war, and Gravik is going to win it. And what about the humans here? Human self-destruction is inevitable, so the scrolls are only hastening hastening that inevitable uh and should we worry about the avengers no pete that's not this summer nor next summer so it's another episode reminding us that the adventure the avengers will not be in this adventure though gravik has a solution for that and demands the council's faith the prime minister matt then nominates gravik to the post of scroll general causing the secretary general to cry traitor a guard silences him and she calls on all in favor to submit and she stands and shapeshifts outside of frame of the camera along with mcred tie and an asian gentleman uh it might be that uh, we have uh, photo doubles wearing makeup here. I don't know. Um, it is noted, Pete, that Shirley, you know, who we said had a good heart, she does not make the change. She does not give this uh, thumbs up here. She worries that history has been forgotten. The willingness for war is what made Scrolls refugees. Shirley not submitting. And Gravik lets her go in peace. Uh, Gaia sees Shirley leave. Outside, Shirley makes a call to Talos, uh, who is upset about Gravik's upgrade. Uh, Talos would like to meet uh, Gravik in public to talk it over. It's high risk, but it's going to happen. Uh, inside, Gaia sees Gravik and they walk out. I suspect, Pete, with much love to this episode, um, I suspect that the episode was working to keep international icon Amelia Clark in this episode uh kind of in a more substantial way than perhaps a, a a line count a word spoken count might give it uh thus we see Gaia and graphic walking out with no dialogue because it keeps you know tv's amelia clark uh in the episode just like christopher mcdonald in that previous scene at new scrollos graphic is hailed a conquering hero he speaks to pagan and Gaia follows Pagan to a lab where a female scientist tells him he doesn't have it. He, says the harvest, 
which is capitalized in the subtitles, wasn't there. The woman who was identified in the subtitles as Rosa says it's back to scavenging and that their DNA selection remains extremely limited as Gaia eavesdrops. Pagan tells Rosa he'll send out teams, but she was told that phase would, would be over. So was Pagan. Gravik has given him multiple locations for the harvest, all of them empty. And then he says their fearless leader isn't always right. But did Dr. Rosa mishear him? She requires Pagan's absence and he leaves. Pete, with the starting of this mysterious machine here, we have tension, we have science, we have blinky lights. Uh, Back to expositional news saying that there is a security summit with the EU heads and the British Prime Minister. Pete, very careful there to not lump in uh, the United Kingdom with the EU on account of Brexit and all of that. Uh, An American has been called on the carpet here. It is, of course, uh, Colonel Rhodes, uh, who claims that there are allegations, perhaps he acknowledges, maybe private citizens, Nick Fury and Maria Hill, were traveling, maybe to Moscow. Pete, we get... Allegedly. Allegedly. We get shots here of some of the people from, let's not forget what the news said, the European Union heads and the British Prime Minister. Okay, we have those name placards. We got our, our United Kingdom you know, that's in Europe, uh, although sometimes they refer to the continent separate from, anyhow, United Kingdom, we got our France, we got some of our Slovakias and Slovenias. Pete, we also have Pakistan, which I just want to point out is not part of the European Union. And you might say, well, it's the Marvel Universe and so forth. Pakistan, like, nowhere near Europe. Uh, Pete, I don't know if one day Pakistan wants to join the European Union, but it was just really weird because believe me that they can (laughs) yeah like it's it was really weird like pakistan is right next to not france but it's like we see the 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 front two and then to the right i don't know what other country pakistan is next to it was just a weird choice i have i have no problem with pakistan joining uh such unions and so forth it was just a weird choice particularly since it was hammered home all members of the European Union and the United Kingdom are here to yell at Rody and all of that. Um, but Pete, some American humility on display here, okay? Uh, Rody, why are you here and not, you know, in front of all these heads of state? Why is the President of the United States here? Oh, oh, President Ritson is actually super busy having a a real busy job that's why he's not here and has just sent you know a colonel who's also sometimes an avenger uh roadie noting if you show some evidence then we can talk more otherwise all you're going to get from me is some sensitivity as he leaves roadie gets a call from fury that they need to meet roadie tells him he just needs to finish up mopping up the steaming hot caca he knocked over Then they can get a drink at Burner's Tavern at one where Fury arrives and is patted down and asks if he should be worried about his drink being poisoned. But Rhodey says his real concern should be a Russian retirement. 
Fury reminds Rhodey he outranks him, but Rhodey says he's the last friend he has since his face is all over Russian surveillance footage and all their allies have flipped to Team Russia. Fury broaches the skulls, which Rhodey learned about 15 years ago as part of a top secret presentation, but didn't really buy it. Fury tells him it's real, and Rhodey says it's not possible. Fury adds Moscow was just the beginning, and Rhodey wonders if they should call their friends, but Fury says they can't because they could be simmed and the Avengers branded bad guys. And we've already said this isn't an Avengers movie just yet. It's Fury's war, and he needs Rhodey's backing. But he's just spent all his political capital getting Hill's body back. Fury says they owe each other because men who look like them don't get promoted because of who their daddies know. No Nepo babies here. Every ounce of power they wrestled from the mediocre Alexander Pierce's who run the world was earned in blood. A guard tells Rhodey the car is out front, but it's not for him. Rhodey tells Fury he's going to the airport, passionately and eloquently explaining to Fury he's fired and that Rhodey volunteered to come tell him this. Fury gets up and the guard shoves him, but he takes the gun and snaps his hand, placing his hat back on and getting up close to tell Rhodey that even when he's out, he's in before leaving and finding a bench outside to compose himself. I look forward to the alternate take leaking online because, of course, Disney would never let it get out there in 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 a sanctioned way but there must have been a take where he said i'm nick fury and even when i'm out i'm in mamma jamma or i'm in which or whatever it is you, you you know it's there you know it's there pete we cut to sonia fallsworth entering a little butcher shop uh the door was locked but she's in anyway that should tell you all you need to know about her and locked doors she goes into the the rear of the shop, uh, then deeper still into a large fridge where we see Brogan being questioned, uh, you know, by way of slight torture and crowbar and such. Uh, but Sonia Fallsworth is taking over the questioning. She hands uh, her phone over. One phone call means that uh, all the Russians are going to be uh, Pete, as my arms, uh, as my, pardon me, as my notes capture here, trying to, trying to describe the actor, waves arms and fingers to say, let's go. It really was just a great <laughs> little, like, wavy wave, let's go kind of moment. Uh, that leaves uh, Brogan and Sonia alone. She says she can be quite persuasive. By the way, where's the escape hatch? Oh, it's, it's beneath the chair here. Uh, got it. Uh, Pete, I won't point that she then takes a long metal thing and uses it to brace the door shut because in about four minutes when um gravic comes and they burn the hinges off the door uh that bar is gone as well as the hook that held the bar up because pete what is continuity other than just the battlefield of the pedant after the previous interrogator who's now been outmaneuvered by jurisdiction leaves sonia asks the prisoner 
if they should do this the easy way or the other way. He tells her he's going to break the chains and every bone in their body the other way it is. So she snips off his finger, confirming he's a Skrull. Back at New Skrullis, Gaia gains access to a computer with the image of the female scientist. And also conveniently in English, um, information about Groot, a frost beast, Cull Obsidian, and Extremis as Gravik enters at a vantage point where he can neither see what's on her screen nor that it's in English. Um, luckily, Pete, she's able to quickly click on uh, some information about the newest recruit. Um, indeed. I, 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 mean, I find myself thinking, I know this computer kind of predates tabs but she just clicks on another tab essentially um gravik remembers meeting gaia for the first time uh being so impressed by her uh but they found brogan so let's go get him uh we cut to sonia talking with the aforementioned brogan this injection will make your blood boil or near boil i guess 150 degrees isn't quite boiling uh 160 degrees celsius oh pardon me Pete. i thought we were on the fahrenheit scale no you're absolutely right oof um good catch there uh pete she puts it in his rear end can we just pause for a moment and reflect on what a great get it is for the show to have uh to have this actress her sense of whimsy it's just it's it's She's doing an amazing job as she does with uh, all things, like in her you know Emmy winning role as uh, the queen, her Oscar winning role as another queen. She's really great. I can't imagine she injected anyone in the backside in those roles, but uh, the serum quickly takes effect. Uh, elsewhere, Pagan gets in a car, and we cut back matt it's it's late in the episode and and though we're not in old marvel television we're still in marvel television which means it's time for crosscut sonia now wants to know the location of gravik's compound and brogan tells her he's building a machine to make them stronger gravik and pagan uh tell gaia and new recruit Beto to stay in the car Brogan tells Sonia a married couple named Dalton is leading the science. As Gravik and Pagan go in guns blazing, Sonia soon realizes from the noise that she needs that escape hatch and kicks Brogan over. Gaia tells Beto she's going to go around the back. And Gravik and Pagan massacre the goons as Sonia escapes through the floor and Gaia speaks Russian over the phone. This fight scene in the butcher shop is quite good here. It doesn't need uh, shaky camera action, nor does it need your standard Marvel three to four cuts per second. Oh, and then briefly it does involve three to four cuts in one second in order to show the act of someone falling because, you know, Pete, traditionally people fall quite slowly in normal gravity. Uh, but overall, it is well shot and it is free of this kind of Marvel jittery style here. 
uh, Gravik um, and uh, his compatriot here uh, take down the door, which again is not being stopped by the by the the brace that Sonya put on it. But I digress. Gravik questions Brogan. What did you share? I told only lies. All right, go to the car. Um, however, Pete, as they drive on, it's past a safe house. Is it pro- possible that perhaps Brogan said more than only lies? That's when there's or, a somberness. Presumably, that was Gaia's phone call. Uh, regardless, though, the the weight is going to be on Brogan here. They take him to a, a nice quiet spot out in the woods, uh, and Gravik's gun handed over uh, to uh, Pagan here, and Brogan taken out into the woods uh, proper and shot. And there's acting going on in the car as as uh, Gaia flinches at the sound of the gunshot as the gun is handed back to Gravik. Pete, there is acting. Fury enters a locked garage where he takes a cover off an SUV and drives off into suburbia. At a home, a female scroll chops in the kitchen. Fury arrives at the house and enters with an air of familiarity. In the kitchen, the scroll, now in human form, asks if he's forgetting something goes back into the hallway and grabs out of a dish a wedding band huh? that he places on his finger before kissing her to end the episode. Time to analyze the fallout from this episode. So apparently Nick Fury didn't marry Susie. <laughs> this is true. Um, again, I think that the show is still selling me on the overall concept. And I think the show is still selling me on the decision made several, several years ago at this point to have Captain Marvel and scrolls and all of that happen in the 1990s, and then have this span of time. Um, I must confess, Pete, off the top of my head, I don't recall where the development of Captain Marvel, the film, was in relation to the development of Disney+. Plus. I know Disney+, Plus wasn't out yet, but I, I don't know if Captain Marvel was created in part to have a hole to do this show or if this was ever going to be a movie or blah, blah, blah. But if we are going to have this 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 uh, space in time, this, this hole in time here, it's interesting, it's dynamic to now have uh fury be married have him having been married for 30 years or so um it's compelling it's interesting it certainly is a hook towards next week's episode that i did not think i was going to have until the the scene was unfolding and um if nothing else pete it's keeping the intrigue on a personal level as opposed to oh no there's a glowy thing that's going to shoot a sky beam and we're going to fight you know bloodless uh, robots or something like that We've seen Vera in 1997. She is wearing a ring um, that we had Nick Fury in 2014 say to Steve Rogers that his wife had kicked him out. So there's a lot of story space to discuss this here. Has that ring been sitting in there low 
12 years, Matt, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to uh, to fill in that gray area. Well, I would I would propose that we're probably going to get dialogue early on the next time this scene continues, whether it's at the beginning of next week's episode or, or whatever. But I think that we're going to get dialogue along the lines of, you know, you were missed for those five years that you were dusted. But, you know, since you came back, everybody says you've been up on Sabre, but you know, you'd pop down just for just for the weekend or just for birthdays and, you know, human American Thanksgiving and Christmas and things of that sort. Um, I would hope that they address it because it can be addressed in brief dialogue. And quite frankly, not just to address it because it's a question, but to give sense of how this relationship has worked behind the scenes for literally decades. What is this threat in 1997 that Fury is recruiting the Skrulls for? I mean, I read that as here we are two years after he has come up with the name of Project Avenger and things of that sort, which again, you know, makes sense in the timeline is it at the forefront of my mind as I'm watching that scene? Is all that at the forefront of my mind? Is the end of Captain Marvel at the forefront of my mind? Not necessarily, you know, or not immediately. It's not at the tip of my tongue. Um, but that's how I took it, that Fury has seen this interstellar threat and he's, you know, here he is as a mid-level agent trying to build up some sort of protection against that threat that is out there and, and uh, that we see unfolding in the, the first phase of the MCU. I get the purpose of the scene on the train. We've got to move Fury from Moscow. Uh, they were headed to Warsaw. Uh, obviously, you need to get him away from the bombing. But could we have at least addressed some idea of again the loss of maria hill in the moment with talos we should have and i think that it would look as delightful and perhaps pete as important as the story of riding the train from alabama to detroit is um is is that story true to what the character has experienced in the last 60 minutes of Nick Fury's life, which is the loss of Maria Hill. No, I think that the show somewhat artificially is working around, you know, end of episode and then boom, a new script comes start of episode two, you know, and, and it's dealing with again, an important anecdote, one that's more, more timely than ever, etc. I just don't know that, I don't know that when you sit down and do a rewatch and do all six episodes together or certainly do episode one, then immediately episode two, I don't know that it flows. Um, you know, and if there is criticism that they're that they've underplayed the loss of Maria Hill, despite it being, we can imagine, a real loss, not and it actually was a sleepy time bullet and it actually was a doppelganger. Like, you know, if she's really dead then they have not handled it great at the end of the first episode and they have not kind of emotionally carried that forth to the next episode. What about Matt Emperor Drogue's colony? So we're told that a million wayward scrolls, all of the ones that left Skrullus have 
now made it to Earth. The rest of them coming when uh, Talos put out the call, when Fury was off-world, and, you know, uh, actually that was when he was snapped, and then uh, Talos didn't get an opportunity to talk to him uh, upon his return because he went up to Saber. Um, so there's a million here, but there's even more elsewhere. Um, I don't know that I took it as there's necessarily another million or million plus elsewhere. It is to your point, it is notable that we are saying amongst all the scroll survivors, there's a million on earth. And then there's also this separate population, you know, Pete, my favorite game is always to say, what can we do in the remaining episodes? We have four episodes left this time next week. We'll be past or rather at the halfway point of the series. Do I think we're going to get into the Emperor and the other scrolls in the body of this six-episode story arc? If we do, things are sure going to have to move at a different pace, and we're going to have to move out of this kind of you know paranoid Cold War-esque thriller feeling. We're going to have to move more into you know, look, the ships are advancing, the invasion fleet is here, and things like that, which currently feel outside the flavor of the show. Um. Is it maybe a line that's there, Pete, for whatever the next interstellar adventure in the Marvel Cinematic Universe might be, the Marvels? Um, maybe maybe that is a line there. And maybe when you and I are sitting in a theater in November and they reference the Emperor and they say, and the Skrull army, we're going to look at each other and nod and go, yep, saw that coming since late June, early July. A million scrolls. So there's no way there's a million people in the new Skrullus compound around that nuclear reactor. So anybody, hmm, I don't know, uh, an Avenger working for the U.S. government that uh, was once paralyzed who now moves with uh, real good mobility uh, could be a scroll. It did cross my mind, boy, Rhodey can walk easily. And I know that they they took steps um, in terms of, you know, showing, well, here's kind of prototype legs. And and I know that that, that fade, uh, the, the, the paralysis of Rhodey faded away, presumably over time and better technology and, you know, invariably the thing that solves everything, nanobots. Um, but... But maybe, Pete, maybe you're onto something here. Um, it's a reminder, too, that in the next four episodes, if we are going to have reveals like we did in the comics, um, this is, you know, like we're approaching a point where that should start to happen. Particularly, I mean, is it a fair question, Pete, to say beyond this show and beyond the Marvels, are we going to be spending a ton of time with who's a scroll and who who's human like like what's your expectation for the next 12 months of mcu content whether it's you know on disney plus or movies how much is going to be concerned with scrolls i think we're going to come away with this show with the viewers knowledge and perhaps a couple of other characters that certain individuals are scrolls but the rest of the world is not going to know this. So when we see them, ah, that's a bad guy. We'll know it. 
uh, and I'm sure the the story, the the film, the show will make it clear. Hey, this person is not who they say they are. Um, producer Matt would like to pitch against that, but I think that if there is this, if I am feeling a slight tension with Marvel Studios in terms of, hey, you really, really have to watch every show watch every movie remember the details because we are effortlessly going from when you went to the movies in 2019 to watch captain marvel uh or was it 2020 no 2019 and regardless like you you need to make a direct connection from that experience to the beginning of this episode um it Maybe this is uh, a weight that moving forward the MCU can't sustain. But for the time being, for the time being, Pete, I think you're on to something. Could there be the possibility that when we go see, pick a movie, Thunderbolts, and when it's revealed that Yelena is a scroll, that there might be people that are like, what? I'm confused. Uh, this is your rug pulled out from under me. And meanwhile, we're going to be sitting there going, oh, yeah, I remember in, uh, and again, I'm making this up and not being a spoiler, but. You know, oh, in Secret Invasion episode five, where Yelena showed, I don't know. I think there is a sort of, um, there's a maximum energy that 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 the MCU can can hold on to before maybe the audience is a bit dissatisfied. But certainly in the short term, I think that you're you're laying out a, a very possible path. But forget the Avengers return, Matt. Let's talk Quake Watch 2023. Pete, here we are, one-third through Secret Invasion. Take us over to the big board here. How likely is the return of Chloe Bennett's Quake, the character that people on Twitter are saying must return, or they will have their hearts broken? So again, these first two episodes screened at the premiere where... Chloe Bennett was nowhere to be seen. Hence, she wasn't there. Also, could still be hidden. A lot of people have pointed to episode three, that she'll pop up there. Well, Matt, we'll have to wait until next week. A lot of people who have seen more than the first two episodes or a lot of people with hopes and dreams. What's what's your source if you can share it reptiloid who has assumed the visage of pete (laughs) i'll never give up my sources pete do you have any other theories about secret invasion this harvest with a capital h and of course these touchstones to the greater mcu that of groot um call obsidian the uh, frost uh, creature and the extremis uh, serum. Uh, Call obsidian. It was the arm that was severed in Infinity War that wound up um, being left behind. So uh, obviously, somewhat similar has happened to Groot. I, I think that what what I couldn't understand from that scene was if you want to be planting seeds, no plant pun intended, but if you want to be planting seeds, is Groot a scrawl? Was Cullobsidian a scrawl? Um, was a, a frost giant a scrawl? Okay, I'm with you there so far. But then to say 
extremist. I'm watching it going, well, wait, that was like the serum in Iron Man 3. So I, I don't see the connection between those four at this point. I don't see the connection, you know, versus if you just put up three names and you go, could one of them be a scroll or they all, the, the, whatever that is. So can you offer some guidance there, Pete? So uh, do the scroll um, rebels here have uh, designs on getting these pieces on harvesting them and using that machine that's going to make them stronger to adapt those to them. We've seen in promotional footage where Gravik's arm gets all grooty. Um, you know, could they use all these different uh, biological pieces and graft them onto themselves, making them super scrolls? That would be a fun way for things to be headed. Um, fun action-packed climax and so forth and it's and go oh i see the scroll uh, pardon me i see the groot aspect of that arm oh i see the cold city nature of that leg i see the extremist heat beams and things of that sort uh i i like that as an explanation i think that that'll be tough to beat we have received several communiques from our field agents let's see what they have to say we are starting with the Twitter poll, Pete. Uh, how many fingers would you uh, give for this episode? Starting at the bottom, one uh, finger, the loneliest number, got 0%. Two fingers and totally solid, got 14.3%. Three fingers and thrilling, got 23.8%. Uh, because, Pete, I couldn't find a four-finger emoji. Five fingers and fantastic, of course, the pH. Got 61.9%. Some replies here. First one from uh, at Anna Rose584 on Twitter, Rose Ferry. Personal entanglements are causing so much damage for everyone in this world, human and scroll. We also heard from Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo in 1983. All I can say is, wow, looks like Marvel is giving Mr. Jackson his time to shine in this show. The acting and writing is great. Rhodey was a boss, and Sony has a lot of juice. We truly don't know who's human anymore. Each episode has ended with a mic drop. Uh, we heard from Diana Bodenberg on Twitter, who said, I'm still kind of mad with this show. I did like the tell me something I didn't know story. Fury told about his mom and him on the train. Great way to get to the point of tasking Talos to answer the same. We heard from Major Noel Gardner, that's at Noel Camille. This episode was fantastic. The one-on-one scenes are outstanding. Fury and Rhodey knocked it out of the park. Fury with Maria's mother was heartbreaking. I want Tell Me Something I Don't Know on a t-shirt. This is truly a connected universe. They pulled a callback from Winter Soldier. That was always on my mind. Uh, I'm assuming that's the, the wife reference that you made, Pete. Plus a throwaway post-credit scene gag from 10 years ago. Uh, uh, that both now have real consequences. I can't wait to get more info about Nick's wife. She's on both sides of this conflict. No new scrolls on my bingo card, but a few people moved up. Uh, we heard also from Darren Bell at Darth Rasslin 79. Great episode. Uh, Sonia stole the show for me this episode, but she had some great lines uh, and has some great lines. Is fast becoming my favorite character of this show. 
thought it was quite clever how we've got the Super Scroll powers, but without the Fantastic Four. Uh, Groot equals Mr. Fantastic. Obsidian Cull equals Thing. Extremis equals Torch. Frost Beast equals Invisible Woman? Question mark. I can't remember if they could turn themselves invisible in the Dark World. Loving the series so far. Pete, I think that is super heads up. I must confess I'm less tapped into the Super, super Scroll power situation, but... If, as uh, Darren says in the comics, it was based around the Fantastic Four and four sets of powers, we have four people, four sources of power shown here. That's uh, a really great connection. That would be almost as awesome as all the proposed social media leakers who keep failing in their casting announcements of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> uh Pete, we hear here from at BikeBRH on Twitter. It's fine so far, but it seems to be taking a long time to get going. It also has the problem of having a bad guy leader that seems uh, to obviously be a jerk, but his followers don't seem to notice. Then again, that seems to happen regularly in real life, too. Uh, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, lastly, Pete, we hear from Ian Silverman at Sylvie underscore 76, who says, really enjoyed this episode. That one-on-one -on -one scene with Fury and Rhodey was some of the best written pure dialogue the MCU has had in a long time. Graphic emerging as a great baddie. Olivia Coleman as Sonya is terrific. And Gaia emerging, uh, emerging as a fascinating character. Definitely uh, getting pulled in a bunch of different directions. Was she on the phone with her father during Brogan's Rescue? Shooter McGavin is a secret scroll, Tucker Carlson, and Nick Fury is married. Uh, Pete, I'll just pause his words for a second there and say, uh, at least Shooter McGavin has a show on cable. Um, but back to Ian's words here. And Nick Fury is married. Uh, an important end of episode twist for the second week in a row. Do we think she is the one being introduced? Uh, pardon me. Who introduced Fury to Gravik in that flashback scene in the beginning? Last thing. Can I ask you guys to tell me something I don't know about Fantastic Geek? uh pete let's start with i certainly thought that um fury's wife was introduced in the flashback at the beginning what's your take yeah that's her okay uh pete can you tell ian something he doesn't know about fantastic geek we don't have a studio um i would agree pete let's head to the email inbox here we're here from steve adams this show is doing a great job of building tension. It's giving us a few pieces at a time. And when we think we know where those pieces belong, here come some more pieces to muddy the water. I'm interested to see where Gaia's search for the truth takes her. Rhodey's journey is becoming more confusing. What is his role? What did he hope to accomplish? Did he fire Fury because Fury screwed up? Or was it to give Fury the freedom to do what was necessary in order to stop the invasion? Uh, let's just pause his words there for a second there, Pete. I love that as a theory because a we get to have you know scene two in which Rhodey at some point later says i knew you'd do it nick and the, and the, they're they're great friends again uh i love steve's theory here that could be a lot of fun like all right i took the shackles off i did this with another person there so it seemed like i was being really hard on you but i'm i'm still there for you i like that or he's a scrawl Back to Steve's words here. Uh, I do have to wonder if Rhodey is even human, but the writers have so far given us the human beings impersonated by the scrolls pretty quickly. Sonia also intrigues me. She's a terrifying character. What will her end be? I'm really hoping she is revealed to be the leader 
of the scroll kill crew. Uh, this is a deep cut. I would love to see on our screens. And in that final scene, uh, and that final scene, my word, uh, does Fury know? He has to know, doesn't he? Until next week, stay fantastic. I do think, Pete, we are meant to 100% uh, believe that Fury knows she is a scroll. Oh, yeah. I, that is without a doubt, you know, again, on we rewatch with the ring um it would seem to be an open secret amongst you know talos everybody in that group as for for steve um proposing that perhaps sonia is herself a scroll um i like the potential there a for a big reveal and b how do i put this i think that Clearly, this is yet another Marvel story where it's action, adventure, and so forth. But it's also a bit more conscious about things like uh, one's place in the world, discrimination, origin. You know, it's tapping a bit into those things. And I think the notion of Sonya actually being a kind of self-inflicted wound upon her own scroll people, I think there's there's a lot of great pathos there and, and story potential. So thanks for all these great... Uh, these great thoughts there, Steve. And thanks for everybody who visits patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Uh, everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content. You choose the amount you place the value you put on the podcast there. Uh, but it takes just a dollar a month to get you through that door. You can look at all sorts of other tiers and possibilities i uh, can't contribute right now get yourself over to apple podcasts we can really use your help hit it give us a uh a review with the stars there takes just a second uh got a little bit more time on your hands write up a little uh review all of which help us and keep moving the algorithm in our favor with a ph and Pete, let's keep the Marvel conversation going. How can people be in touch with you on social media? Well, currently, Matt, Twitter is actually down. <laughs> but I will tell, as we're recording, but I will tell you that you can find me on Twitter for now at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,770 followers and falling. Pete, in the event that Twitter one day melts down and never returns, let's nonetheless keep the conversation going. People can go to fantasticgeek.com and comment there. Reach out to us on, uh, hopefully, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and, of course, fantasticgeek.gmail.com. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash fantasticgeek with a PH, all one word, like it today. Well... Pete, I know that tomorrow it is Star Trek Sunday. Looking forward to talking about episode 203 uh, of that series. And of course, as you mentioned at the top of the episode, talking about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny uh, this upcoming Tuesday. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. I'm sorry. I didn't know I had travel plans. Oh.